Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 25th, 2023, we continue our sermon series called Knowing Jesus. Today's message, Fruit and Foundation, will be taught to us by Pastor Jeff Stevens from Luke chapter 6. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. Hypocrisy at its core says, don't look at me. Look at them. The world would be a better place, you know, if, if, if you could just forget the log that's in my eye and notice that speck that that guy has in his over there. See, Jesus here in, in chapter 6 of Luke is calling us to live differently. We are to be merciful, not judgmental, not in a condemning way. Yes, be discerning. Yes, make choices appropriately. But in the middle of that, you don't throw mercy out the window. Ask God to forgive you, to make you merciful. It doesn't make their position right. It makes us who God wants us to be so that we can reach out to them. Uh, As followers of Christ, um, if you haven't noticed yet, there's gonna be conflict. There's gonna be difficulties. There's going to be moments that, um, that are hard. Um, there's an internal battle going on in us, and that internal battle is our desires. It's the things that we want within our flesh. But life is going to produce fruit. The question that it will be is whether or not it's good fruit or bad fruit. And the wrestling matches that we have depends a lot upon the type of fruit that we're growing is based upon the foundation by which we are planted. And it's important because Jesus is going to bring this to to light here as we close off what's known as the Sermon on the Plain. We call it the Sermon on the Plain because it's similar to the Sermon on the Mount, but in this particular case, he went to a place where it was flat or level ground and began to preach and teach not only his disciples, but a multitude of people. This There's a verse that's in the middle of this that is kind of a theme verse for me in counseling. And it's this in Luke 6, 45, where it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's understanding that our motivation, um, both good and bad, comes deep within the core of ourselves. Jesus is gonna use a metaphor calling that motivation a tree. And he's gonna talk about the fruit by which that tree produces. So with that, let me just jump into verse 43. Luke 6, verse 43, if you want to turn to that. These are Jesus' words Luke is capturing. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. He's not necessarily talking about two separate trees. He's using the metaphor that within the core of our being likened to a tree. Where does the fruit get its nutrients? It has to, of course, go through the process of the tree. And it will produce what it's going to produce. In the Sermon on the Plain, Pastor Kevin started us off where Jesus warned his followers that there's going to be both blessings and woes in life. In verse 22, it said, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice that the day, that in that day you will leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, 
for so their fathers did to the prophets. What Jesus is communicating here is that you're gonna deal with conflict. You're gonna have people, and he says that there's blessing that comes upon you when there are people who hate you and exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Not because you're a jerk, but because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Pastor Thomas, in verses 27 through 28, he had this, this, this thing that seems so counterintuitive. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. This isn't natural within ourselves. There must be something within ourselves that is greater than me. It is the Holy Spirit that works in us that calls us to this life of surrender, this life of trusting and abiding in faith that it produces a good fruit. He makes incredibly difficult the demands of his followers that it really can't be agreed to and lightly. If you're here today and you're looking at Christianity and you're saying to yourself, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to follow this guy. I don't know if I want to do these different things. I want to be truthful and transparent with you. To give your life to Christ is to expose yourself to something you've never had before, the Holy Spirit. You've gone through your life, you didn't realize how horrible things were, or maybe even how horrible you are. But when the Holy Spirit comes into you, he reveals to you that you have conflict. There's a war within you. Pastor Bob talked about a little bit about this, this war when his section, when he, in 42, around B, I think I would call it, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This calling to follow Christ is one to realize that at times we wear different masks we're on the wrong road or we're in the wrong room. We find ourselves, for the most part as Christians, sometimes finding ourselves loitering in the room of good intentions rather than residing in the room of grace. We become hypocrites because we participate in a masquerade ball and we play actors. We look straight in the eyes of our brothers and sisters and say, oh, things are good, they're wonderful, rather than saying, no, I'm, I'm struggling to follow the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' conclusion of the Sermon on the Plains, he's gonna tell us in verse 44, for each tree is known by its own fruit. You see, that which starts as a motivation is gonna go through a filter of your decision-making within the word of God, and it's gonna come out as a behavior. And in this behavior, you will make known to the people around you where your heart is. Because where your heart is, so is your treasure. Jesus continues with his metaphor of good and bad fruit and how they are produced. Fruit is a definition is the result of its source. The fruit is a result of its source. I know that years ago when we lived in San Diego, we had the privilege of having a, a seven acre grove, uh, mostly tangelos. Uh, but there was a section of it that had a lot of grapefruit. And to me, grapefruit is gross. 
But I, I know, because we leased it to a produce, to a grower, and he would come in and he would take care of the groves and he would produce all the, the fruit and then he would sell the fruit and all those different things. We just got the privilege of living in the middle of a grove and it was a wonderful experience. But I remember one time coming out and talking to him, he says, listen, Jeff, he says, we're gonna have to change these grapefruits. I'm like, well, how in the world do you do that? He goes, well, right now, he says, we've got all these white grapefruits and we need pink grapefruit. People want pink grapefruit. They don't want the white grapefruit. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, again, I have no idea how that goes about. I just live here. Um, So, um, you know, I guess whatever you have to do, I said, but it's gonna be messy. You're gonna have to rip all those trees out. He says, no, no, no. He says, we're just gonna stump them all the way down. He says, and then we're gonna graft in the pink grapefruit branches into the base of the tree. And I said, and, and, and then what? He says, well, then it'll start growing pink grapefruit instead of white grapefruit. I said, that's just, you're blowing my mind right now. I said, but while we're at it, why would we go with grapefruit? Because that's gross. Why wouldn't we put oranges on this? <laughs> Just sell more oranges. And he, of course, you know, says, he goes, well, he says, we could. They would be beautiful. They'd be big and luscious oranges. He says, and then you'd bite into it, and you'd find that it's a grapefruit. <laughs> so I think we're just going to stay in the grapefruit family. Uh, Good call, you're in charge, whatever you want to do, right? But the metaphor of this, right, is that a disciple, understanding that a disciple is by whom he grow through. We start to realize that what Jesus is saying in this metaphor is the fruit that hangs off this tree is based upon the stump by which he is. Where is he being fed Remember in verse 40, it said a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Where are you getting fed? Who's discipling you? Is the person that's discipling you a follower of Jesus Christ or a follower of their own opinions? Do they follow the very word of God or just their thoughts, what it might mean? We want to plant ourselves firmly in the ground so that we can be fed with the whole truth and the whole counsel of God's word. The inner person that is characterized here as the bad tree will typically oppress. They'll attack. They'll especially oppress and attack those who follow Jesus. They're quick to judge and they're quick to condemn. We need to, in fact, judge our own fruit and make sure it's consistent with who Christ is. We must do this before we begin to grow disciples and become disciple makers. It's important that we be disciple makers. It's why as a church and a body, we we love God, we love people, we make disciples, not into the image of me, but into the image of Christ. Like Paul so boldly said, be like me as I am like Christ. It's important that our foundation is Christ. Sometimes someone's tree that's rooted in Christ, because you need to understand that, that someone's tree that produced something, and that something was in fact you. 
And now, as a piece of that fruit, you're to go and grow and produce more fruit, more harvest. To do this, we need to, of course, take the log out of our own eye. We must recognize our tendency to be hypocritical. We must not be in a position of attacking our brothers and sisters. It's in this context that he is delivering to us verse 44, which says the implication here of gathered figs and picked grapes is that a fruit that is already harvested. Jesus' close here is he's talking to those who are followers of him. He's following the people, or the people are following who did not, um, who grew us. I remember as I came to know Christ in my early years through the ministry of Young Life and those men who poured their lives into me. I stand here today and I remember continually the things and the thoughts, and the things they encouraged me in God's word. And it's important for us to know where we came from but it's more important for us to know that we must be rooted in Christ. Let me just pray and we'll go into our points. Our Father and our God, Lord, we come to you today and we humbly submit ourselves to you. We come to you and we want and desire, Lord, that you would lead us and direct us, that you would help us to grow in your grace, help us to grow in faith, help us to grow in Christ, and Lord, most of all, help us to glorify you in all that we say and all that we do through the fruit that your spirit brings out in us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So point one today is this, from the abundance of our heart, we reveal our treasure. From the abundance of our heart, we are going to reveal our treasure. Verse 45 tells us that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. From the motivation of us will come a behavior. Just as only a good tree can bear good fruit and a grapevine produces grapes, so only a good heart can produce good. This is the overall point of Jesus' metaphor. He's given us these two aspects of both a good tree and a bad tree. For the good tree will always produce good and the bad tree will always produce bad. You look on this side by side, you start to realize that under the good tree, the Christ follower with good hearts will speak words as sweet as a fig or as a grape from a vine. That's what he told us in 44. They will also bless and pray for their abusers. As was told us in Luke 6, 28, Instead of a quick, unfair judgment, their words will be filled with mercy, as Pastor Bob talked to us here in 36 and 37. They will also gently lead others away from their sin and toward the person of Jesus Christ in Luke 6:42. The bad tree, of course, is branches that like they, like the bramble, bramble branches, I can't even say that, bramble bush, they produce nothing but thorns. They create conflict, they create difficulty, they create division, they create separation. When they revile believers and praise others who join them. The standard dysfunctional triangulation of people and families. They will curse their enemies and demand their rights. 
Rights is a great default when I'm not simply getting my way. They will be quick to judge and condemn others, but their false words will lead their followers to the pit. They're bringing people with them. It's important for us to understand, as Pastor Bob said last week, that that we must be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We know that the God, the Father, inspires goodness. Run to the Father, be with the Father. Follow the person of Jesus Christ. But here's the big question. The big question comes to us in verse 46. When it says, why do you, Jesus speaking, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Man, that's humbling. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Lord, Lord is a Hebraic. When you say a person's name twice in a Hebraic, um, likened to that of God talking to Moses from the burning bush, the first words that God said to Moses was Moses, Moses. Or Abraham, when he was getting ready to plunge the knife in the sacrifice of his son Isaac, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Abraham, Abraham. What's happening here is God is pointing through that Hebraic that I have a close, personal, intimate relationship with Moses. I have a close, personal relationship with Abraham. And Jesus, of course, upon the cross cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's pointing to the intimacy of that relationship. But here he's flipping it. It's not God's intimacy to us, It is in fact Jesus asking, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you say that you have a close, personal, intimate relationship with me and yet you don't do what I ask you to do? That's a frightening verse. The question here is what is your relationship with Jesus? Because good hearts should produce good fruit. It's not just simply the works here. Here, what he's talking about is careless speech. Not necessarily that it comes from your heart, Lord. He says this, he's using the Greek word, that uh, root word, that is kurios, right, that means Lord or master. It's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ did not come to this world to assist you in your desire. Jesus Christ came to this world so that you would follow his. The purpose and the point is understanding by where we are planted, it's going to produce either a good grapefruit or a bad grapefruit. This verse, it brings up some sort of a controversial relationship between salvation and our good works. It presents kind of a conundrum, a choice maybe, between Paul's salvation by grace through faith alone in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and James's note that faith without works is a dead faith in James 2, 17. The truth is that obedience is not what saves you. Rather, salvation produces not only good works and obedience, but it produces fruit that also needs to be harvested. Jesus is about to change his metaphor. 
And he's gonna go to the foundation from his metaphor of fruit. Watch his words in verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He wants to give an illustration of what that person resembles. In this case, Jesus is gonna show the validation of our faith through obedience. There's a difference between setting out to do things to impress God and setting out to simply rest and follow Jesus Christ and allow it to produce an obedience or a good work. But he says this in 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built well, or been well built. The truth The true faith is not a matter of our lawful conformity. It's not about my obedience to the law, but it is a radical change of heart through the new birth powered by the Holy Spirit. When storms of adversity and temptation arise, it is the strength of our foundation that will determine whether we stand firm or fall. We must build our lives upon the unshakable truth of God's word. We must start to look at how that comes about. If you'd like, just flip over to James. James 1, 14. I don't have it on the, on the board because this was just whispered to me. James 1, starting in uh, 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. You are not being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But, verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Stop blaming the outside. Start looking internally to the battle that is within. This is about your surrender, your following of the person of Jesus Christ. It is not the outside that is creating the spiritual warfare. It is the war within you between the Holy Spirit and our fleshly desire. Spiritual warfare is something outward, not something outward, but inward. This is because our problems are not out there in our circumstances, our environment, but they're rooted deep within our own hearts. Knowing this reduces the need to contend with people and situations external to ourselves, and it moves us to focus on our battles of the war within us. I'm not saying people don't do horrible or atrocious things to you. I'm not saying that there's not outside conflict. I'm saying how you deal with outside conflict is always inward. This is why Jesus says to us, bear one another's burdens. Treat others as better than ourselves. This is why he tells us to take the log out of our own eye before we go after the speck in our brother or our sisters. This is why he says when they slap you in the face, offer them the other cheek. Rely upon the Holy Spirit 
They hated him long before they hated you. While external circumstances may provide a source of challenge, the real cause of difficulty in our lives is our desire. Just as God warned Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to yours, but you must master it. Paul warned us in Romans 1 that because of the fall of man, God handed us over to our own desire. Lust is what it'll say in the ESV. And of course, James 1.14, you'll be lured and enticed by your own desire. You have to ask yourself, what is feeding us internally? If it's your fleshly desire, bad fruit will come out. If it is in fact the Holy Spirit, he only produces one fruit. And that fruit has nine characteristics. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's nine characteristics of one fruit and it is only produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not a cheap knockoff of yours. If you're growing it with your desires, it tastes like a horrible grapefruit. We must rest in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit to do the work. And to do that work within us, we must surrender and allow him to shape us and conform us Regardless of outside circumstances, internally I must deal with the word of God and what Jesus has called me to do, but to trust in him. You see in this last verse in the Sermon on the Plain, verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You see, Luke ends with Jesus' Sermon on the Plain with a warning that those who call him Lord and Lord, Lord, but don't obey him, your house is going to crumble. Everything's going to collapse around you. But you must put your faith in him. You see, in the two descriptions given, verse 48 and 49, they're mutually exclusive. They're saying you follow Jesus while refusing to obey his commandments is a contradiction in terms. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, following Jesus requires a faith in him. The natural and inevitable result of having faith will be obedience, not the other way around. You see, anything else will result is a result of where you're being fed. The battle, of course, within us is incredibly real. Look at the verse in Romans 7 where Paul himself addresses this. In verse 18 through 20, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Jesus has stated this topic before. 
He did it in Luke 5, 36. I had the privilege of preaching on this, where he said, no one tears a piece of a new garment and puts an old garment on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. You see, in that context, he's saying that it's impossible to persist under the Mosaic law by abiding in a bit of what Jesus teaches. He's saying that you can't label your foundation as a Jesus follower if you never, in fact, change your foundation. Someone who obeys Christ has proven that their faith is founded on the rock of Christ. They will remain steadfast even when confronted with all kinds of hardship. While those who do not obey prove their faith is weak and founded in their flesh, they are sitting on the surface of unstable ground. The unrelenting flood and troubles won't just simply erode the ground out from under their lives, it will immediately fall. The foundation of our building, the foundation of your house is the word of God. It comes with pillars of grace and faith in the person of Jesus Christ to hold an overwhelmingly heavy roof with a steeple that points clearly to the clouds to the glory of God. What kind of tree are you? What kind of fruit are you producing? Are you planted on the firm foundation of Christ? For Jesus himself is the word. You are the fruit that came from a good tree. That came from a good tree. And will bear fruit of another good tree. And another good tree. For generations to follow the person of Jesus Christ. If you are the good tree, where's your fruit? That's what Jesus is telling us. He wants us to know that we're to be followers of Christ, to trust him in all ways and in all his words. He wants so desperately to let us to know. We have the greatest advantage right here These guys, when they were receiving this message, didn't have the fullness of the 66 books of the Bible. We know the answer, we know the end, we know the person, we know the word, and the only thing left remaining is where's the fruit? Amen? Our Father and our God, Lord, we come to you and we ask you to lead us, direct us, um, to help us to fall fresh upon you, to trust you in everything. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. We serve a great God. We serve a God that wants the very best. He wants to fill you with the fullness and the nutrients of his word. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to rest in the spirit and to stop performing as you're the one that's holy or pretending that you're the one who's not a sinner, but in fact to put your wholehearted trust and faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Let us live our lives to the glory of him. Amen? Amen. We have a prayer team down here. Please don't be shy to come down and pray or give praise. We love to hear and love to also pray for you as well. If you're new and this thought is just ringing around your head, do I know Jesus? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? More importantly, does Jesus know you in that intimate way? Does he call upon your name twice? 
Do you have that relationship? If you're questioning that or want to know that, or follow Jesus back in the corner over there, please go and talk to someone. Come talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors. Let us help you to see the beauty and the loveliness of Christ and what he has done for us so that we are not bound by the law, but we are set free to glorify him. Amen? Our Father and our God, go with these fine people. Fill their hearts with your presence. Help us to follow you, to be intentional about our intimate relationship with you, and to go to you, to pray to you, to, um, to lament to you, to, Lord, to simply just to follow you. Help us to grow in your grace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.